Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. We're still going through Genesis, but we're, we're halfway there. We have crossed the top of the mountain and we're starting to head downward. We saw a, a shift in Moses' writing last week, and now we're, we're catching up with Isaac and, and, and Rebecca and what, what God is doing in their life. So uh, if you would, stand with me as we read together. Genesis 26 is a, is a big chapter. I won't have us standing for the whole time, but we will go through it all together this morning. And we stand just to be reminded that God has given us this word, this bread of life. This is the most important thing we're going to hear this morning. So I'll pick it up in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws." So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say my wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech king of the Philistines looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might have easily lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Jesus, may you be honored today in our worship. May you reveal to us by your word and through your Holy Spirit the truth of who you are. I ask, Lord, that you would break down the walls around our hearts this morning. Protect us from the evil one who hates you and hates us as we follow you. Help us to respond right now to your promises, to your faithfulness. Continue to speak to us this morning and overcome our temptation to be distracted. We've prayed that so much this morning, Lord, that you would remove those from us right now. Help us, Lord, to grow in you now, in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, Growing up, I was a big fan of cartoons. I guess I still am a big fan of cartoons, but um, all sorts of TV, movies. But one that really stood out to me was Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo was was my all-time favorite as a kid. And we didn't have full cable uh, growing up. The, the The whole time in high school we got it, but... In elementary school, middle school, uh, we had about like 10 channels, and one of the channels had Scooby-Doo come on on Saturday mornings, I think it was the CW, and Scooby-Doo, I mean, we all know an episode of Scooby-Doo and what that entails, and so, you know, I'd get my sugary cereal or or whatever it was that morning for breakfast, and if I didn't have a soccer game or or chores to do, I'd be watching 30 minutes or an hour of Scooby-Doo, and if I missed it, I knew I didn't really miss a whole lot. Because, like I said, we know what happens in Scooby-Doo. I could tell you right now what happens. You know, they're in the mystery machine. 
the gang's all together, they find somebody who has a problem, and mysteriously that person goes away for a long time in the episode. You know, they split up and look for clues. Shaggy and Scooby, you know, they find a bunch of food and they find the most important clue there is. Fred makes a plan. They don't like the plan, but they get a Scooby snack. Velma loses her glasses. Shaggy says, zoinks. All of a sudden, the plan does work somehow, and they catch this villain who is, of course, the person from the beginning of the episode, and he says, and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids. And that is just cartoon gold. I, I, I don't know, I could not get enough of that. And that's why it's been around since 1969, this wonderful um, Scooby-Doo cartoon. But I think what makes Scooby-Doo special is the ways that each episode is different. And there's plenty, there's plenty of shows or movies that do that where they, they have this model and they just keep adding little differences each time so that we get a little bit of, a, of an enjoyment of something new. And I think when we come to a passage like Genesis 26, we, we can easily look at the framework and say, we've seen this before. And you probably, as I was reading it, said to yourself, you know, somebody else said that their wife was their sister, right? Like, we read that. Or didn't we meet Abimelech already? And you're right. You're right. We have seen these before. We have seen some similarities. But Moses here in his writing has, has given us some differences along with those similarities. So God's word this morning is new and refreshing and directly impacting us in ways that we haven't seen before. So in verse 1, we see Isaac, who, just like Abraham, is experiencing a famine in the land. And Isaac goes to Gerar, just like his father did, and he meets Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And this could be the same Abimelech. It could be his son or his grandson that, that Abraham met. But something different already already happens. Abraham made it to Egypt. That was his goal, to go to where there was water, where there was abundance, the Nile River. But the Lord, verse 2, appears to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you. So we already see a huge difference that Isaac is being told something, something called a theophany, which is a word I have come across a lot this week. But it's basically just a divine manifestation of God to a human. So Isaac, Isaac's getting something very special here this morning. Isaac's getting something a little scary, but also something of great encouragement. See, Isaac has been growing up his entire life hearing the promises of God for his father Abraham. That Abraham is his chosen person. That his offspring will be blessed. And through his offspring, we will have the people of God. But yet, right here, Isaac gets told directly of that promise on him. And I don't know if you've ever heard something good about yourself from another person. You know, somebody, somebody tells you that they heard something good about you and they just want to share it, and that makes you feel good. But hearing something directly is way different. Hearing the words, I love you, are way different than I heard somebody say that they love you. So this is a very encouraging moment for Isaac. But it's also a little scary because he's in a land of of the pagan Philistines. There is famine in the land. This is not going to be easy by any means. But we see obedience from Isaac that he stays. He settles in Gerar. And he is faithful, and God is calling him to trust him. But we quickly see that that faith shatters. See, Isaac is very much just like his father. 
They don't even have a plan. Abraham had a plan going in that they, they would tell Abimelech that his wife was his sister. But Isaac, when he's confronted, immediately just says, she's my sister. And we don't know what Rebekah thought about this. We don't know anything other than Isaac just flat out lies to Abimelech. How can he have just suddenly have gotten this theophany from God and it immediately just lose his faith? He's been told to stay somewhere. He's been told that he will have the Lord with him and yet he loses his faith. I mean, doesn't Isaac remember carrying wood on his back, going up Mount Moriah, laying down on an altar, seeing his father hold a knife above his body? Doesn't he remember the ram that took his place? I mean... We can be really harsh towards Isaac, but if I, if I look for a moment at my own faithfulness, I see that I have not been much different. And my life hasn't even been on the line like his was. So we can't be too harsh on Isaac. But he does sin against the Lord. He does lose his faith. He does forget the promises of God. And it, It clearly shows his selfishness, that he's only thinking about his own life. Twice he says, lest I would die. But we see as we continue to read that God is not finished with Isaac here in Gerar. So I'll keep reading in verse 12. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And from there he went to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar to Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me? Seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you, they said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, because between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now blessed of the Lord. So we made them a feast, and they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. And I know that's a lot. That's a lot that we just read. But but there's so much goodness for us this morning from this chapter. 
and we see that Isaac gets caught in his, in his lie. Abimelech sees him laughing with his wife. How ironic that Isaac, naming, his name meaning laughter, is caught laughing with his wife. We don't always know who's watching, but Abimelech sees that this is not just some ordinary laugh. This is some sort of affectionate laugh where he knows that this is his wife. And so when he's called out, when Isaac's called out, he confesses. And it's crazy that Abimelech is the one that upholds this promise that he wouldn't touch Isaac or Rebekah, and he even warns his own people lest they die if they touch them. So we see Isaac go on and be really plentiful, really bountiful in the midst of this famine. Clearly the work of a heavenly father, clearly the work of someone greater than just Isaac. We see him get flocks and herds, but there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of strife and contest for all of this water in this dry land. It seems like wherever he goes, Isaac meets trouble, but he also finds water everywhere he goes. Even though his father had been in this land before him and dug their own wells, the Philistines, despite filling those in, Isaac still can, can find water. And eventually he finds a well named Rehoboth, where God is faithful to him. And he goes up to Beersheba, just as his father Abraham did, and here we see a second theophany. Did you catch it? Verse 24, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring. See, God is clearly telling Isaac something here. And Isaac responds correctly this time. That Isaac doesn't lose his faith immediately, but instead he worships immediately, building an altar to the Lord, worshiping him, praising God for the abundance that he's been given in a land of famine. Isaac's still obedient to living in this pagan nation that the Lord is with him. And again, We don't know who's watching. Abimelech clearly sees that Isaac is very plentiful, very blessed. And he gets it right. He says, the Lord has been with you. This is a word from from an unbelieving king. We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. This is striking. This is clearly not Isaac's own doing, as we've just said. This is not by any means a way that Isaac can boast before Abimelech, and Abimelech knows that. And though Abimelech promised to protect him, we think that maybe Abimelech is a little worried that he can't really protect him for much longer. With all this quarreling, with all this contest, Isaac has clearly become a target in this land. And Abimelech, he's a very smart king. So he's going to make a treaty with Isaac. He's going to make an oath that they wouldn't harm each other. Remember, hey, Isaac, I didn't do anything to you. Remember, we could have, but we didn't. And now, now that you're really powerful, now that you're strong, how about we just reaffirm this oath that we have, this treaty, this pact? And see, when we traverse this life, when we move forward as believers in Christ, people are going to notice People are, going to, people are going to see that God is with us. And Isaac, by faith, 
even though he loses it, he stays and he meets Abimelech again. And so today, church, we're being told something very important that we haven't heard quite yet in Moses' writing of Genesis. We're hearing something today that is screaming at us from these pages. And I hope you understand that it's about God's presence. Remember the first theophany that we talked about in verse 2. Go back there again, look at it, and it says, Do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you, sojourn in this land, I will be with you and will bless you. And then look at verse 24. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. In Abimelech, in verse 28, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. These three truths about who God is and who, who he is in light of, of us, his relationship to us, is that he is always with us. Galatians 3 tells us that we are the offspring of Christ, who is Abraham's offspring. We've read this before. The inheritance given by God to Abraham was by a promise. So that means, and Paul states, that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Do we see that Isaac is just like us? Isaac is the first inheritor of the promise and the proof of the faithfulness of God. And if he is an heir, if that truth and promise is passed down to him and is given to Christ, who purchased it with his blood and gives it to us, that we are truly children of the living God. So if, if, if God is always with Isaac, will he not always be with you? A.W. Tozer writes, He fills heaven and earth as the oceans fill the bucket that is submerged in it. And as the ocean surrounds the bucket, so does God the universe he fills. The heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. God is not contained. He contains. I think we need to hear this morning that God is omniscient. He is specially close to his children and his people to protect and to bless them. We see it throughout scripture of his goodness, of his glory, of his presence. That in Jeremiah he states, I, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? And again in Psalm 139, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I hope we can make connections this morning that the same truth for Isaac is true for us and that God's presence is everlasting. It gives us freedom. It gives us confidence. It gives us stability. So the big thing I ask you this morning is to be honest honest. Not with me, not with your neighbor, not about your neighbor, not about your spouse. Be honest with God. Do you believe God will be with you? That he will be with you tomorrow when coronavirus is still here, when the schools are open or they're not open, when that politician rubs you the wrong way, or when you get that phone call that isn't very 
encouraging? Will he be with you next month, next year, on your last breath? Do you believe God is with you now? Right now in your seat, in your chair, with the things that you think about, with the things that you deal with, or wherever you are, if you're listening to this in the car, you're sitting at home on the couch, do you believe God is with you in this moment? And do you believe that God has been with you in the past, when you were dead, when you were lost, when you did not know him? Was he at work? Was he not sending his son to pay the price that you might have a relationship with him, that this inheritance we're talking about might be true of you? Do you believe that he's been with you in your past when you couldn't see him when things were dark? And do you believe these truths right now and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, as the gospels say? And I want, I want to come across as very convicting this morning. It's a little uncomfortable, but... I'm not asking you to be honest with me. I'm not asking you to be like Isaac and at the, when it gets tough to just lie. Be honest with the Lord. Do you believe he is for you? Do you believe he is with you yesterday, today, and tomorrow? The God that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow is with you. He is everywhere. We've said it so much this morning that he's the creator of heavens and the earth. Where will he be that... We can't be. Are you running this morning from a God that is everywhere? Where are you going to go? How good is that, though? How good is it that we have a God that would extend himself to us? That despite our failings and our weaknesses would remind us that he's with us. God's presence with his people is everlasting, just as his love and his mercy and his grace just as Isaac realized how he lived his life was directly appropriated to God's faithful presence, so it must be with us. The strength and confidence of knowing God is for us and with us makes us unshakable to stand firm in any trial. That's what I want us to realize this morning. This is why we can go guiltless to the guilty. That we can look at our neighbor's and like Isaac can look at Abimelech and know that he has been washed clean, that he has been provided for, that the God that is mighty to save is with him. And we could look at somebody else who has guilt upon their head, who is not with the Lord. We can go to them and share the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel. This is why we strive for obedience and sanctification, that others may see his goodness and his glory. Do you see that Isaac's obedience leads to Abimelech's knowledge of God. We don't know that Abimelech turns to God, but he certainly knows that the Lord is with him. And Romans 1 tells us, Romans 1 tells us that all humanity knows there is a God, but they reject him, or they accept him, or they believe in him. So I'm asking you again, be honest with God. Do you believe he's with you? Do you believe that he has been with you? Do you believe he believe he will be with you? Do you see the hope and the peace that comes from being with a holy, loving God? I've been greatly encouraged by Sally Lloyd-Jones' Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. That's a little book with um, just short 
exactly like the thought uh, the the title says thoughts that make your heart sing it is a it's filled with all sorts of beautiful imagery and the very last thought she writes in the book has really struck me it says when you're in the dark or on a narrow path you need someone to lead you by the hand to hold your hand tight you need someone to rely on god says we can rely on him i've got you by the hand and i'll never let you go no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you always have a hand to hold you. I will lead you, guide you, keep you. Even through death, I won't ever let you go. So church, we need to share this with the world. In a world that wants nothing to do with a God that loves them until they know that he's with them, that he's for them. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you have been or where you will be. But God will be there. And if you can think about the ways that he has been with Abraham, with Isaac, and we know that they're screw-ups. If we look to our own selves, we know we're screw-ups. Nothing's going to change his mind. Nothing's going to erase the atonement that Jesus purchased for us, the inheritance that is set before us undefiled and unfading. I pray we know these things this morning. That's, that's, that's such a huge truth. May it give you confidence this morning. May it give you the boldness to endure this pandemic, this season of unknowns. This is why we have... Po- hope and peace in this life because our inheritance is permanently secured by the blood of Christ who experiences separation from the Father, separation that we as children of the living God will never endure. That Jesus on the cross didn't get to say God was with him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You will never experience that in Christ. And that gives me such overwhelming joy, and I hope it gives that to you too. And if you don't, again, be honest with God and believe him today. To him be all honor and glory. Let's pray together. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that this rings true in our lives this morning, that even though Isaac was given an inheritance and a promise, one that was given to his father and then and then he inherits himself and is told specifically by you that it is for him. And that we get to know that through that line, through that line, Jesus, your son, paid the price that that inheritance is true for us now. Lord, wherever we go, wherever we go from here, if we don't even think about you till next Sunday, you are with us. But I pray that's not who we are. I pray that we are people who are, who are excited about the things you are doing that in the midst of struggling, we can have joy. In the midst of triumph, we don't forget you. But we rejoice that you are with us and for us. Who can be against us? Give us the strength and the courage to move forward each and every day to resist the evil one. Temptations will come our way. Constant distractions, Lord. We're not here to put in new rules and regulations We're here to simply serve you and tell others about your great name. Increase our love 
for you this morning. Increase our faith. We love you, Lord. We pray this all in your name.